Assalamu alaikum. Can you all hear me? Yeah, we can. Okay, pretty good. Let me just fix some things here on my computer and then we can get right started. A few other people might pop in. That's good. And okay. So then, inshallah, uh, we can begin. Does anyone have any questions about anything at all? Well, I guess it's just Sahar Sabina. And uh, uh, Sami, am I related to you? No, actually, I'm one of Sabina's friends, and then she sent me this link, so I thought I would join. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Good to have you. Okay. So, uh, Sahar Samina, do you all have any questions about anything? No, nothing in particular. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, if it's not uncomfortable, so your friend Samina doesn't feel so. Uh, sorry, Samia doesn't. Feel, is it Samia or is it Samia? It's Samia. Samia. So, uh, uh, I'd encourage you all to, so Samia doesn't feel lonely with her own only with her camera on to turn your cameras on but uh okay <clears throat> in any case bismillahirrahmanirrahim nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihi al-kareem amma ba'd we express our praise and gratitude to allah ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam so a few very simple quick review points about what we covered last time that when you have al-fatiha uh, that is the opener of the Quran. And I made a slight distinction between opener and opening. Uh, opener being an active participle. And the idea being that it is active. So it's not merely the window through the Quran, it's the flashlight through which to look at the Quran or the key to which to, uh, to understand not just the Quran, but the Prophet, peace be upon him, as well as the entirety of the Islamic tradition. It is literally the key. And this applies easily, obviously, to nice, easy ayahs, nice, easy hadith and such, but this also applies to the tough ones, too. Um, and then we said further that to understand the essence of, of al-Fatiha, you want to get to know Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim And to understand the essence of Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim also known as the Basmalah, you want to understand the Ba at the beginning of the basmala, the letter ba, or the letter be, as we say in, in uh, Urdu. And what is the, the central meaning of the be or the ba? It's in or with. Like the translation is in or with the name of Allah. And thus what we're saying is the essence of the ba is connection. And connection is one of the central themes of the entirety of the Islamic tradition. And to think of this in another way, the word in Arabic for namaz is salah, and salah literally means connection. And so, so with whom are you, are you connecting in, in namaz? You're connecting, inshallah, with Allah. You, uh, how do we know how to pray? That's coming from the Prophet, peace be upon him. 
the ideal prayers are those that are done in congregations, so you're connecting with the community. How do you know what time it is to pray from nature or your app on your phone? And then you're connecting with yourself. And so, so you're connecting with Allah, the Prophet, peace be upon him, the community with nature and yourself. And that's the ideal goal. That is the goal to, to aspire to in terms of our prayers. And that's also giving us a simple template on the different types of connections throughout the entirety of the Islamic tradition. And so, so when we're speaking of, of obligations, when we're speaking of prohibitions, so like the far things, the haram things and such, then what are we saying? At one level, they're prohibited. Why? Because Allah says they're prohibited. Okay. Or they're mandatory. Why? Because Allah says they're mandatory. But more simply, those acts that are that are mandatory are acts that build your connection. So prayer is mandatory that builds, strengthens your connection with Allah. Fasting is mandatory in Ramadan. And so that builds and strengthens your connection with Allah in both uh, uh, by consciousness as well as just a repeated action. You know, on the flip side, uh, in terms of our relationships with people, speaking the truth to people, being compassionate with people, keeping our trusts, keeping our promises, uh, all of those strengthen or reinforce our connections with people. In the contrast, the sins are things that weaken our relationships, if not break them. If I lie to you, uh, and you find out if I break your trust and you find out if I backbite and backbite you and you find out those are going to weaken or, or, or break my relationship with you. And likewise, if I skip prayers, I'm going to make my relationship with Allah vulnerable. If I skip fasts without purpose, I'm going to make my relationship with Allah vulnerable. And so all of this is then again, focused on connections. And another word you'll hear me use very frequently is relationships that in essence of Islam is relationships. And in fact, give me one second pull up the whiteboard so that I can draw all kinds of wonderful things. And so, so that is the Ba of Bismillah Rahman Rahim. And then uh, those of you who were here last week, did we get into the name of Allah? We got into the etymology of, of Allah, yeah? No. Oh, we did not? Okay. That is where we begin. Yeah, today. I don't remember that. Okay. So, uh, in terms of the etymology of the name of Allah, let's see if this whiteboard works. I've been using the year. Can you all see the whiteboard? Nod. At least pretend like it make me feel good. Okay, good. All right. So, so the name Allah. I get really picky about these things. Oh yeah, nice line. Yeah. So there's two theories about the etymology of the name Allah. One theory is that the name Allah has always been around. That the name Allah is at least as old as Arabic may be older than Arabic. There are debates in terms of how old Arabic is in terms of other languages. 
And in one sentiment, one school says that Arabic is one of the oldest, at least of Semitic languages, but might be even uh, older than many other languages, but Allah knows best. But at least as long as Arabic has been around, the, the belief is that the name Allah has always been there. And so think about what that is saying. It's saying that the belief in Allah has always been there too. So. And then another is that the name Allah is a contraction of Al-Ilah. And you're all familiar with this word Ilah because we say La Ilaha Illallah. So there is no God, lowercase g, but God, capital G. And so let me give you some definitions of the word Ilah that we commonly translate as God, lowercase g. And because we spare no expense here, we'll use multicolors. Okay, one is whatever you rely upon above all else to take you from danger or to keep you out of danger and bring you, keep you into safety. Whatever you rely upon above all else for this innate need is what you take as an ilah. Now, what do I mean by this? Suppose you're going camping. Do any of you four, uh, are any of you four camping people? Do people go camping in Kansas City? Not me. <laughs> okay. So, so Sutter's approach to camping is to go live in a hotel. Okay, so, so think of uh, intuitively what you would take with you to go camping. You'd probably take, uh, uh, on the with a focus on safety, you'll probably take a tent, you know, bug repellent. I don't know if there's such thing as bear repellent, but you probably take that. Uh, money, cell phone, knife. Uh, depending upon your comfort level, you might take a gun with you. Uh, um, something to start a fire, water to put out a fire, water to drink. Think of all the things you would take with you for purposes of safety. Okay. Now imagine while you're sleeping in the middle of the night, there's a huge storm and all that stuff gets lost. Then what do you rely upon? Let's say you're in the middle of the forest, you might rely upon your, your intellect and to try to figure out how to get out and maybe look at where the sun is in the sky and start walking. And then you realize after a couple hours, let's say you were walking in a big circle. Then what do you rely upon? Uh, when you exhaust everything else, then you will see what you take as an ilah. And so whatever it is you rely upon in your core, whatever it is you rely upon above all else, is what you take as an ilah. And so at that point, if you lose everything, you might just fall into despair and give up. Uh, or do you still just pray to Allah, hoping that Allah will answer your prayer? That's what you take as an ilah. Or whatever it is you rely upon to take you from despair into hope. And so in our society, uh, people take uh, narcotics to get out of despair. People will drink uh, to get out of despair. Think of all the things a person may turn to. And when we're saying la ilaha illallah, when we're saying that there's no ilah but Allah, 
we are also saying nothing can truly fulfill these needs except for Allah. So you can turn to the bottle and it can temporarily take you out of despair, may or may not put you into hope. Um, but then eventually the intoxication wears off. So then you drink more and it takes you out of despair again, may not give, put you into hope, and then it wears off, and then you start taking more, and then you may reach a point of what physiologically we might call addiction or psychologically we might call addiction. And at that point, you are taking it as your ilah because now you are organizing your whole life around it. And so what we're also adding here is that everybody takes something as an ilah. I might self-identify as a Muslim, and I might take Allah as my ilah. But then if you look at my conduct, and if you were able to read my heart, you might see that I might be turning to something else as an ilah in practice. Like, for example, in our society, what is the big thing that everyone turns to? Money. Even though the overwhelming majority population of our society self-identifies as Christian, and then we have a lot of Muslims, Jews, Hindus, etc., uh, people might still have a certain amount of faith and hope in the Supreme Being, but more than that, they rely upon money. And so, so what we're saying here further is that what I truly take as my ilah, I am organizing my whole life, my consciousness with my ilah at the center. But these are levels of faith to aspire to. Or whatever it is, I rely upon to take me from confusion into clarity. Is what I take as an ilah. And so this is especially relevant in our era of the internet and social media, where you're getting bombarded with people pontificating, especially right now with, with, uh, with uh, the pandemic. And what do you then rely upon? You might rely upon your intellect. And again, your intellect, your academic training, etc., may not be sufficient. And so here you are also turning to Allah to help give you clarity to take you out of confusion. Or what you rely upon to take you from discomfort into comfort. Think of the way a baby relies upon mom. And so here, whatever it is you rely upon above all else to take you out of discomfort, to keep you out of discomfort and bring you to comfort. And whatever it is, and this is the big one, you turn to in worship. So when we often think of worship, we think of ritual, right? Whether we're talking about our namaz, Eid, Hajj, all those things, or a Catholic going to mass, whatever the case may be. And so worship here, you're all probably familiar with the Arabic word that is translated as uh, worship, and that is ibadah. Ibadah, ibadat, you're all basis. And so the word ibadah means to give your most extreme love. That is the uh, essential meaning of the word ibadah. And so what does 
uh, it mean to give your most extreme love? So we have a zillion words for Arabic. Yeah, let's see how I say this. Um, uh, I'm going to switch screens, but if everyone needs me to stay on the screen, just just tell me to to go back. Yeah, let's see if I can turn on my chat box so I can see that I got 500 monitors here, so I should be able to make this work. Okay. Technology. Okay, good. So if uh, if your mic doesn't work or you're too afraid, we're going to hear your voice. You can also type in the chat box. Okay. So so when we're speaking about love. Uh, in terms of our tradition, think of a couple levels. The terminology is not as important, but one is what we would call hub. Yeah. If you want to write the Arabic. And one is what we'd call ishq. These are also words, this is also a word for the. And then we have ibadah. So, you know, if there's an extra, it should actually be like this. Yeah, who cares? We're just learning Islam. No one cares. Okay, so I hope you all don't mind my random jokes to entertain myself. So, Ibadah, worst handwriting in the history of the universe. But okay, so. At the level of hub, this is the common thing we think of when we speak of love. When you love a beloved, you think about them and thinking about them makes you happy. You, uh, you long to be in their company. You hope they love you back. You may change yourself to become something more like what they love. And then ishq includes the element of awe or to be something very passionate, almost to the point that you're losing your sanity. And then ibadah is complete surrender. Now, these are just three levels. We could make this list uh, 20 levels long, but these are three big levels. And so, Love may be at this hope level, maybe you know, common relationships. The level of ishq would be the level to aspire to with the prophet, peace be upon him. And so at the level of love, you see beauty, you override any any flaws. At the level of ishq, all you see is perfection and you're holding them up on a pedestal. Perhaps the way Sabina is with Beyonce. Okay, so Ibada would be complete surrender, complete voluntary loving surrender. And that is the word that we are translating as worship. So we're saying that everybody surrenders to something. Maybe God may not be God. And so I'm going to go back to the previous screen. Once again, if anyone still needs a screen, just let me know. Okay, so there are two theories about the etymology of the word God. One is that the name of oh, the word Allah. One is that the name Allah has always been there. Another is that the name Allah is a contraction of Al-Ilah, which would literally mean the God. And then here's some definitions of what does it mean to take something as an Ilah. 
And so then when we're making the, the, the statement of belief, la ilaha illallah, A, we're saying turn away from anything else you would turn to as an ilah, and B, anything you turn to as an ilah cannot fulfill the need. Somebody about to speak? Samina, are you about to speak? Oh, no. Sorry, I'm unmuted. I didn't realize. Oh, it's all good. I figured you're probably going to sing some Beyonce songs to us. Okay, so <laughs> am I correct? Or are you more of a... I don't know. I'm curious as to where this uh, Beyonce idea came up. I'm no, like, I like to... her. Ah. Not crazy about her. Taylor Swift? Um, no, I don't know. I'm really, I don't, yeah. Okay. In any case, <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is uh, uh, these are etymologies behind uh, the or theories behind the etymology of the name Allah. Now let's put this back to the ayah we are looking at. So if we have Bismillah Rahman Rahim, so Bismillah is B. Plus ism plus Allah. And we said with or in the name of Allah. Okay. So what else are we saying here? With this first line, we have the first step in developing a connection, developing a relationship with Allah. And that is by way of getting to know his names. And so for all the different ways I can have a relationship with Allah, it can be if I'm Muslim with prayer, uh, reading Quran, getting to listening to the teachings of the prophet, peace be upon him. If I'm not limited to Islam, let's say I'm someone who's not raised with anything, maybe I'm just exploring and I'm looking at creation. Uh, and so there are many, many ways to have a relationship with Allah, some better than others, some inappropriate. But the first step to develop a relationship with Allah is to get to know Allah by way of his names. And names are two parts. It's basically names and attributes. And the names and attributes are often the same. But then the attributes <clears throat> or the names... Here, let me draw this more. They're both subjective and objective. I'll explain what this means. So the names would, for example, be those in the 99 names of Allah. The 99 names of Allah comes from a specific hadith attributed to the Prophet, peace be upon him, where he lists out the 99 names of Allah. Allah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Al-Malik, Al-Quddus, Al-Salam, Al-Mu'min, Al-Muhayim, Al-Aziz, Al-Jabbar, Al-Muqabir, so far, and so on, all the way through to the end. And those are also attributes. And so Allah, as an attribute, can be the ilah. Or the word Allah is often translated as the one to whom people worship which is basically saying Al-Ilah. Um, um, or Ar-Rahman, which we'll be getting to, 
is the highest in Rahma. Ar-Rahim is the eternal in Rahma. We'll be repeating these a little bit later on. But then you have a name or an attribute which is not technically like a name. Rabb, which is repeated throughout the whole Quran. It's technically not a name. And often it's the Rabb of something. Rabbil Alameen. Rabbus Samawati Wal Arb. Rabb is commonly translated as Lord. And that's the translation that's been grandfathered in by other translations looking at other translators looking at other translations. It's not wrong because there is an element of, of sovereignty, of majesty and such. And so I'm going to give you a really precise definition of the word Rabb. And if any of you can summarize this in one word, I'll give you 30 bucks. You don't have to do it now. So the Rabb of something is that which takes you from immaturity to maturity, according to your unique design. From immaturity to maturity, according to your unique design. This is Rabb. It's technically not a name of Allah. Uh, it's an attribute. Now, that's a semantic issue. Uh, it's almost a hair splitting issue. So don't get too caught up in what is a name, what is an attribute. That's not what we're focusing on. What we're actually focusing on is this part right here. That when we're calling Allah Ar-Rahman, Objectively, we're saying that's what Allah is with or without creation. So, for example, the name Khaliq. So, sorry, this is going to start looking really messy. Okay, so another name is Al Khaliq. Which is the creator. If we get more literal, it's the one who creates from nothing. And he is al-khaliq objectively, whether there is creation or not. Because his being al-khaliq, his being creator, is not dependent upon creation. But then, subjectively, is defining who or what is Allah to me and you. So, on the one hand, he is objectively the creator. On the other hand, he is the creator of me. And the point at you know, using al-khaliq might seem, you know, pretty common sense that he is my creator. But if we speak of Allah as ar-Rahman, the root of ar-Rahman is rahma. And Rahma often translates, uh, we often translate half of Rahma. Half of Rahma is mercy, the other half is intimacy. 
So how does this make sense? And we'll probably stop uh, here because we're already at the half hour mark. So, so mercy, you all understand. Mercy is to give ease. Okay, mercy is to give ease, even if you're justified in giving difficulty. And so it is also a statement of power that I have the capability of causing you difficulty or leaving you in difficulty, but instead I am giving you ease. And so, so for example, if an ant, I don't mean like auntie, an ant in the ground is giving me mercy, I would perhaps not even notice. Yeah. Intimacy happens when I recognize the mercy that I'm being given and I respond with gratitude. And so when Allah is Ar-Rahman, he is objectively Ar-Rahman, even if there is no creation. But this is his relationship with all of creation. And this is his specific relationship with me. And one point I'm going to introduce that we will discuss, inshallah, in more detail next week is that I want to reach a point where I truly see Allah as pouring mercy upon me like a waterfall. And to make this point further, and this is, well, we'll end here. Whatever I think in my heart of Allah is going to inform how I look at reality operating how I look at my life operating. So if I see Allah as, if I truly in my heart see Allah pouring mercy upon me, I'm still going to have struggles. Those struggles are still going to hurt. They're still going to be painful. But I will also think it could have been so much worse. Alhamdulillah that it wasn't worse. That's mercy. Right, that Allah is giving me ease, Allah is making things easier than they could have been. And then when I recognize this and I respond with gratitude, that is bringing me closer to Allah. So when a friend is giving ease to a friend and the recipient is recognizing this, they're responding with gratitude. And so this brings us back to the original point that these attributes of Allah, in the objective sense there, who Allah is, he's not limited by them. He's not even limited by the fact that he's not limited by them. But subjectively, all these attributes are ways in which Allah is helping me have a relationship with him, helping me have a connection with him. And, and so... If I instead don't see Allah, let's say I'm telling everyone, okay, when I think of Allah, I think of mercy. But in my heart, I feel like Allah has abandoned me. Then that is how I will interpret what happens in my life. Okay, this car accident happened because God doesn't care about me. Or if I see Allah as punishing me, like that's a default relationship because I'm such a horrible person, then I will see things happening in my life as a punishment. And this is something I control. I control how I perceive Allah in my heart. And the acts of worship 
if I'm doing something healthy in my uh, approach to a law and how I perceive a law, then the acts of worship will reinforce that. If, however, I see something destructive in terms of how I perceive a law, then the acts of worship will oppose that, but they will become a burden. And we will stop here. Does anyone have any questions about anything at all? Yeah, can you go back to that first uh, screen? Yes. Thank you. You are welcome. Any other questions about anything at all? I have a question kind of related to um, the name of Allah. Yes. So um, my question is kind of in relation to when people use names for like their children that come. Okay, I just lost you. Um... I don't know if it's my wife or it's yours. I've looked into it. People say, like some scholars have said that you're since you're not saying they're like ul, etc., then it's all right because some of them like the attributes that Allah has are also things that like humans can be, like al wadud or like or wadud or um like it does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So so as a general principle, um, as long as you don't give your child in actual name of Allah, it's fine. You know, um, Arabs will often look at daisies and say, you know, Bart, you named your child Rahman? Bart, you know, um, well, I guess they wouldn't have a daisy accent when they're saying that. But, but the point is, in principle, it's fine. You know, but um, it's also not even a discouraged thing because all the names of Allah are still like happy things. You know, but you know, I don't know if that answered your question or not. Yeah, yeah, that does. Thank you. I mean, an example of that would be a last name like Hamid. That's why I asked, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All of our um, names on my dad's side are like Hamid, Moeed, or like, you know, uh, what's another example, Samina? I can't remember. But also like <laughs> with the name like Hamid specifically, I feel weird about it because it's like, it means like praiseworthy so then is that something that i don't know i feel like that can't really be something that a human can be yeah. okay so, yeah but i mean that doesn't make it wrong um you know uh, if you want you can change your last name to just awesome but you know <laughs> but um that's uh a name like hamid majid nabil that's all kareem that's all perfectly fine as long as it just doesn't become al hamid Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Any other questions about anything at all? I mean, in fact, okay, so we have Anum in the, in the meeting. Her last name is Ali, which you all know is one of the names of one of the, the closest of all the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him. You may not know that is also one of the names of Allah, Al-Ali. And that's a perfect example of the name of Allah also being a very common name. So, and all of you, Azim, there's another one right there. So, this is okay. any other questions about anything at all? 
Nothing. Okay, then inshallah, we will stop here. Next time we will get into Rahman and Rahim. And so we haven't even gotten close to finishing Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alrighty. So if there are no other questions, uh, then we'll stop right here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi lake. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi lake. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi lake. May Allah tell the word you all, inshallah, and we'll see you next week. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi